Hi, this is Stay, and I am your host, Takesha August. On this podcast, you'll hear conversations and content dedicated to trust, love, and honoring our intuition from birth to motherhood, from work to womanhood. Collectively, we will be cultivating peace, joy, confidence, and community, the foundational elements of thriving in a well-lived life, and sharing some laughter along the way. Here's to new patterns, healed hearts, and becoming the masters of our own self-preservation. You are invited to stay with your heart, with your body, and with me. Welcome. Hello and welcome to Stay with Takesha August. I am Takesha and today I have the profound privilege to speak to one of my very best internet friends, uh, Margaret James, who is one of the most amazing people that I have had the honor to get to know over the last couple of years on the internet. Um, and she and I have been accountability buddies and we've been friends and we've been virtual shoulders to cry on. And it's just such an honor, um, to have her as, um, what is technically my first podcast interview, um, for stay. And I am so honored that she saw this as a yes. Um, so, let me introduce her in a profesh kind of way. Uh, Margaret James is an Ayurvedic health counselor committed to helping women reclaim their power by cultivating habits rooted in radical self-love and feminine form healing so they can honor and reveal the big, the bigness in their hearts. She's a disciple of Mother Nature who is devoted to reconnecting people with her wisdom to experience vibrancy and vitality. So without further ado, here is the incredible and brilliant Margaret James. Hi, Margaret. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm so, so excited to see you in this vision and this goal come alive. I'm just so, so excited for you and everything that's going to be coming from this podcast and sharing with people and the impact you're going to have. Thanks for having me. And you know, and I'll I'll say for all of you listeners as well, a little behind the scenes is that Margaret has been one of the most patient people because I'm pretty sure I have gone around and around and around and around about so many different ideas. And she has continued to champion every single thing that I have been excited about. Um, and I I want to I want to really highlight how highlight how important that is to have people who are not only in your corner, but help to keep you grounded and remembering who you are in your visioning, in your um, ideations about whatever your life goal is, whether that's a business thing or um, you know your own self-care or practices or mothering or partnering or friending. It's really great to have those people who can remember your visions, even when you've forgotten, and they can remind you, hey, didn't you want to do something like this before? Or didn't you say this before? And so I just, again, want to say thank you, Margaret, for being that person for me, because I do have a tendency to 
you know, talk about things so much and externally process until I finally take whatever brave step. And you have certainly been one of the people who have given me the wings I needed to even take this brave step. So thank you. You're so welcome. You had the wings all along. (laughs) So Margaret um, took a very big step of her own. Uh, I guess it's been about a year now. Mm -hmm. Um, And I can still remember to this day where I was when we were kind of having a virtual conversation. Um, We send a lot of Um, audio chats back and forth to one another on Instagram. And I still remember where I was in my neighborhood walking my dog um, when we were talking about this brave step that she took. And I'm so excited that she's, I think you recently celebrated a year, correct? Mm -hmm. So if you could share with my listeners here what that step was for you, because I'm not going to spoil it for you all because it's so good. And what what that step has meant to you um, and kind of what led you to taking that step in the first place. Oh, I get goosebumps even thinking about that time. Um, So I left my corporate job last May. So it'd be May, 2020. And what is now, I guess, essentially the beginning of the COVID pandemic. Um, We were hoping at that time it might be the middle of it, but here we still are. And It was a goal, a vision of mine to leave my job for seven years, Uh, basically since I got the job. I was like ready to leave, ready to leave. And I definitely got sucked into the culture of just like making more money and just chasing money and chasing money. And it got to the point that I totally sacrificed myself, my mental health and like my deepest desires, um, what I wanted for my life. And last year, right when COVID hit and everything was shutting down was incredibly hard time for me in that job. It was specifically in commercial mortgage banking. And it was during a time when people were losing their homes. And I just felt it went against every moral and ethic that I had, um, what these owners of apartment buildings were doing. And I just, I had to say no. And I really had to um, say yes to myself. And ironically, I was, I knew all along that I had the power to do it, but I just wanted someone to reflect it back to me. And um, Takesha was one of those people who was like, girl, I get it. <laughs> and then uh, also working with an Ayurvedic practitioner who our second session to- together, her homework was to put my two weeks in because it was causing so much internal conflict. It, I had insomnia. I had all kinds of wonky period stuff going on. It was just like stress through the roof. And she was like, the root cause of it is your job. And so you can do all the other things all day long, but they're just going to be mitigating factors. They're not going to be getting to the actual root of what's causing all of this. And so for her to say, quit your job, it was like someone's giving me permission, even though I already knew that I was the one who had to give permission to myself. Um, And so I did I put in my two weeks, my husband recorded uh, my, (laughs) like the moment I pressed send with my mouse and I just broke into tears because it, I like built it up to be this big thing. I can't believe that this is finally happening. Um, And it really felt like this moment of reclaiming my power. Um, And, you know, Takesha put words to it as far as it being like self-preservation. And that's really what it was coming down to was like, 
I had to do this as an act of self-preservation because if I didn't, I don't know what was going to happen to me. I was already having weekly, at least weekly breakdowns of like full deep sobs, like snot down the face, Mm. this like guttural depression, honestly. Um, So yeah, leaving my job was just this moment of partly terror, to be honest, (laughs) Because I was like, what am I actually going to be doing after this? Um, But also just a deep sense of freedom as well. Of like, I finally get to be the one who gets to create my kind of life and the vision I've been holding this whole time, but pushing it off and pushing it off and pushing it off, waiting for some elusive, perfect moment, which of course never came until I just pressed the button. Oh my gosh. And so that big step, it didn't come from nowhere, Um, and you spoke to a vision that you were holding. Tell us a little bit about that vision and what it looks like and might be evolving into today. Yeah, so the the vision started when I was 20 um, and a yoga teacher, no, no, 22. Um, I started practicing yoga at 20, but 22 is when I did my yoga teacher training. And of course, I'm going through this training. I'm like, oh, I'm going to be a world traveling yoga teacher. I'm going to teach at the festivals and it's going to be so great. Go see the whole world. That's why I thought yoga teachers did it. The whole Instagram yogi life. Totally. Totally. Uh (laughs) Um, And so of course I graduate from, from yoga teacher training and I'm like, wow, I have no idea what I'm doing. So I I just stayed, I stayed at my job mainly so it could fund my teacher trainings I was doing and getting the certifications and really exploring my curiosity. So I am grateful for my job in that sense of like really being able to do the things that I was interested in without putting so much pressure on the, on my curiosity. Um, so the vision started to evolve of like, okay, maybe not a traveling like worldwide yogi. Also I'm a major introvert. That's not really what I wanted. <laughs> Same. <laughs> uh, and so, but what was coming from it was um, getting people back into their bodies and like feeling this um, embodied power that comes what I was experiencing in, in yoga classes and specifically in Shavasana that I was kind of, um, you know, I was working 50 to 60 hours a week. I was also doing really hot, powerful flow vinyasa for a while. I was doing triathlons at the same time. I mean, I am, I'm still amazed that I didn't hit complete actual adrenal fatigue and burnout during that time. But, um, I broke my pinky finger and, I was in a cast for actually most of my yoga teacher training. Wow. And um, so we have mandatory classes that we had to take for our certification. And the only classes I could take were restorative yoga and yin yoga. And I had never been still in that way before. And it was profoundly healing for me to tap into this silence and stillness within myself to actually hear what my heart was trying to tell me. And so that's really where this vision of like, okay, well maybe it's not, the traveling yogi, maybe it's actually like something more intimate, more, um, you know, visceral and, and deeply connected with another person that wasn't so much about a scripted, uh, yoga sequence. Okay. So wait, I don't want (laughs) it's so not lost on me that a literal brokenness in your body, pinky finger (laughs) really helped to bring you to a focus area, something you were already pursuing, right? You already wanted to be a yoga teacher. Um, but it really, like that broken experience 
like having a cast and really being limited for that time gave you the space to notice, okay, well, actually, I love being in this practice of stillness. I love that. I I feel like we we often imagine, you know, when bad things happen to us, right? If we want to judge them as bad or good. But something like breaking a limb or some part of your body might be seen as like bad and oh my gosh, I'm in this physical training, this training that requires the use of my body, and here I am in a cast. Um, but it sounds like it was a brilliant opportunity and a good reminder, right, for us to not judge our experiences because they could very well be the the catalyst for us to go deeper into whatever we're supposed to be focused on. It, it's like that that pain and that um, that misfortune or inconvenience or whatever can be the thing that forces us to not only notice who we are and what we like, but gives us the space to kind of stay with that noticing. Would you absolutely. agree? Oh yeah, absolutely. And I love that. Um, it's really from that experience that I was like, I'm committing to rest, like not only for myself, but to hold the space and to give other people permission to rest because we live in a society that has taught us that our self-worth is derived from how much we do. And that's like for me, when I was doing the powerful flow, like hot, sweaty yoga and doing triathlons and working all this time, it was really because I was like trying to prove my worthiness. Mm. And there was always like the finish line was always being moved. The bar was always being moved out. And so I was never actually hitting what I thought worthiness was. Yeah. Um, and so that's been a primary focus for my business. And so the vision that I really had was like, I want my own business because I yeah. want spaciousness. I want time uh, to rest without shame and to have more freedom and, and how I can spend my time and have a greater impact and contribution to the world. Yeah. Um, so, so tell us about your business. So what is it that you do? Who do you help? Tell us more about that. Yeah. Um, so I am an Ayurvedic health counselor and that I was introduced to Ayurveda and my yoga teacher training. And that was a moment for me where I was like, this makes so much sense to me. And for those who aren't familiar with Ayurveda, it's an over 5,000 year old healing modality that comes from India and it's rooted in the rhythms of nature. And that's mm. kind of at the root of all of it is that we are nature. And so the more that we can align with her rhythms and her wisdom, the greater ease we experience, not to say that things are easy. It's just more easeful. And so I use the principles of Ayurveda to help women establish daily habits that are rooted in radical self-love. So we talk a lot about identity of like, who are you becoming? What do you believe? Who do you want to be next? So that this um, the extension of your life or like all the things that you do in your life becomes an extension of that truth in yourself, that you become your own healer because you get to be the one who says, I want to be this person and I want to feel this way. So mm-hmm. it's not someone coming in to tell you that you should be doing it like this or that you need to be this kind of person. It's coming from the truth of your heart. Um, so I really help women, especially in burnout, Um, That tends to be a big focus of of my clients are people who are burned out and they're like, I don't know what else to do right now. Everything feels overwhelming. I I know what I should be doing, but I just can't. 
Yeah. And so we, we dive further into, well, what's the should around that in the first place? Yeah. So if someone listening was just now learning about you and just now, you know, learning about, you know, the potential healing capacity or power of, of rest or, you know, creating, you know, these rituals that you're speaking about, like where, where would be a good place for them to start? Like, I mean, they're, they're if there, if this is a 5,000 year old practice, um, you know, mm-hmm. Ayurveda, where would someone just hearing about all of this, like not be overwhelmed and start if they are where you were, you know, even a year and a half ago in, in burnout, in wanting to leave and wanting to transition, you know, in some regard in their work or relationships or what have you, what, what would you say to them? Um, start smaller than you think. Mm. We put a lot of pressure on ourselves to do more and do bigger, um, which then just leads to the overwhelm. So I personally really suggest the women that I work with to focus on love and devotion, like to feed yourself with love and devotion, not only the food on your plate, but the energy that you're around, the environments that you're in, for those to be filled with and, and exuding love and devotion. So Um, you know, it's the way that you speak to yourself, which can be hard to catch it in the moment. Um, But to then re like, look at that and then think about the divine mother and like, what would the divine mother say to myself right now when I'm experiencing this kind of fear, this kind of stress, this kind of upset, like, what would she say to me to help me feel better or just to feel more taken care of, to feel soothed and loved. Um, And I do a lot of that. And as the morning routine, because your morning routine, especially according to Ayurveda, is your proclamation for what you want for your life. That's when yeah. the veil between the physical world and the spiritual world is thinnest, according to Ayurveda, and the energy is present. And you can kind of see it like in that morning light. Like there's there's a different clarity, um, a different color to the morning light. And so that's when we like do prayer work, and we do the spiritual work, and we do self reflection and self inquiry, so that we can proclaim to the universe, to God, that like this is what I want for my life. Like this is what I'm aligning with. And this is my proclamation of what I want to help me align with it. Yeah. I love that. I love that. And and I'll also say to my listener, um, Margaret is also, was also the catalyst to my own journey into deepening into um, Ayurvedic study. Um, We are both, uh, she's a graduate of Shakti school uh, of, of Ayurveda. Um, where I am still a student. And um, it's just been such a beautiful experience to witness how you've been showing up and really sharing with your people um, what these what these practices could look like. Um, even like just the meditative journey of watching you, you know, grow a garden. She's got this gorgeous garden, y'all. Like it's so, if you don't follow her on Instagram, you must. Um, she's got this beautiful garden that she's cultivated over the last year, and it's and it feels so analogous to having left an experience where you felt overwhelmed and planting seeds on this new fertile ground that has now come up to harvest. Um, and you know, you know, I speak an analogy, and so I I love kind of seeing that tie in. And I'm also curious, how long had you been? Um, 
you know, really leaning on these practices before you left your, your job, um, and how much, I know you said that you were working with an Ayurvedic practitioner and that was part of your homework was to give your two weeks notice, but how long had you been, um, leaning on these practices to kind of keep you grounded or keep you, you know, settled in a place where you were uncomfortable? Um, I would say really, really consistently, I had these practices for at least a year and a half before I left my job. Um, before that, I would say I had a pretty loose routine that I would do in the morning um, with some definitely like longer periods of not having anything. But for at least seven years, like pretty much since I graduated yoga teacher training, I was like, this is what I want more of. You know, I know that I feel better when I do these things in the morning, but I feel taken care of when I start my day that I'm not starting in deficit. That I, I feel like I can give my overflows and not my reserves. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the last year and a half before May, 2020 was when I was like dedicated where I was like, I am waking up at five in the morning. I'm doing my journaling practice. I'm doing yoga doing the things that like I have to, because if I don't do them, then I will not make it through the day. Yeah. Yeah. So one of your programs that I really enjoyed, um, and I don't know if it was your first program, but um, Journey to Rest um, was such a profound and yet simple experience. Um, Can you tell the listener a little bit more about Um, the experience of working in your spaces, because they're so, as an experiencer, um, it, it's so healing just to be in the spaces that you hold. Um, And so I'm, I'd love to hear you kind of talk about um, what your intention is around holding that space and, um, and what people might experience when they join you on the, on these journeys that you hold. Yeah, so um, the the exploration of rest program that was yes exploration of rest, yeah. but it's a, <laughs> I call it a thirty day journey. So it's kind of, yeah journey to rest. Um, but that one was actually after I had about six months of like a consistent daily rest practice that I experienced these profound shifts in myself, and I started sharing it on Instagram. This is way before I had my own business. Um, and I put on Instagram, I'm like, hey, I think I'm going to do this 30-day journey. Does anyone want to join me? Like, I'll send you a workbook. It'd be for free, just like some accountability. And I had like 30 people sign up. And my you know, Instagram following at that time was like six, 600 people. So I was like, wow, it's like, I have a pretty good conversion yeah, rate. <laughs> totally. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so I quickly, like within three days, put together this workbook on Canva um, and sent it out to people. And was like, here's the four poses that you'll get. Um, it's all, it's restorative yoga. Um, and ideally you want to do this for 22 minutes a day, 22 specifically, because it takes about two minutes to get your wiggles out 15 minutes to like deeply relax. And that last five minutes is like when the magic happens. Um, and what I started to realize is that people just don't know how to rest. We all know that like we should be resting and and rest is definitely like a buzzword these days, which I'm here for. Um, But it's still like the people I talk to are like, yeah, I know that I should be resting, but I have no idea how to do it. And so um, that was kind of what exploration of rest was, was like teaching people how to start resting. And while I recommend 
20 minutes, like one minute to just close your eyes, hand your heart, hand your belly and just check in. Um, and really I want to make it as accessible as possible. So, you know, I have options if you have yoga props, which I know a lot of people don't because like we'll also don't practice restorative yoga. (laughs) So not everyone has a bolsters and stuff. So it's like, okay, get, get a couple pillows, use your couch. I actually do a lot of my rest practices now just on my couch. Um, so it's like like built in comfort. Why not? Exactly. (laughs) And it's, you know, less time setting things up and then having to put it away. So accessible. Um, yeah. And it's, been amazing the the feedback that has happened the people saying like I doubted this I doubted that laying down was going to be this transformative um but thank you (laughs) yeah so then I'm I'm wondering if people are listening and they're like I mean I rest I mean I sleep like you know seven hours a night or six hours or whatever like how would I know if I if I'm like if that's rest or not like how would people know the difference between just sleeping and resting because we did talk about how, um, you know, just working hard, like, you know, just needing to prove yourself. We live in this society where people are just, you know, we're just wired to work really hard and push really hard. So how would someone know if they're getting sufficient rest or, or, you know, that practices like that would really serve them? So first, I want to touch on the fact that sleep and rest are different physiological functions. Mm. They serve different purposes entirely. Um, and so sleep, you you need sleep separate from rest. Um, and, and yeah, so ideally we're getting, you know, seven and a half-ish hours of sleep a night. And the way one of the ways that you can tell if you're not getting enough rest during the day is the quality of your sleep at night. If you're waking up often if you're tossing and turning, um, if you have night sweats, those are all pretty good symptoms that you're not actually getting enough rest during the day. Mm. And so when I talk about rest practices, it's really this conscious rest where my teacher, Judith Fassiter, says that it's the mind watches as the body sleeps. Mm, so you I have this that. like observer experience of like, you can like watch yourself resting and it, sometimes you may like slip in and out of this state of consciousness where it's like, maybe I was asleep, but I don't know if I really was. And it, you lose sense of like physical boundaries of your body. You just become like this warm blob of love. Yeah. <laughs> it's like for me. Um, well, it, well, if someone said, okay, well, that's great and all, but I don't have time for all that. Like mm-hmm. I don't have time to just be resting all day. Like <laughs> What, what is, what would it look like in a like real life person? You know, we don't have servants and staff scurrying about so that we can, like, I I imagine sometimes, but before I ventured into these practices for myself, I imagined that the people who could rest were the people that earned the right to rest. Um, So like, these were people who maybe are wealthy or, you know, I imagine like Oprah might rest. I don't know. But, um, I can imagine that I am not the only person that thought that way or thinks that way. Um, so what, how, how could a rest practice be infused into an actual lay person's life? So I love the way that Tracy Stanley talks about this in her book, Radiant Rest, calling it the householder's flow. 
Mm-hmm. And that you can reframe this idea of rest. It does not have to be laying down on the couch, but thinking about this is like a 24 hour flow and where are like the pockets of rest that you can get in. And so that can be as you're standing over the stove, stirring the food, like that can be a moment of rest. If that is the intention that you come with as you stir that food, it can also be when you sit down right before you eat to just like take two breaths to say thank you. Like that can be a restful moment. It also can help improve digestion by calming down a little bit before you eat. So we have these opportunities between every transition to just have a a moment to check in and rest, a moment to withdraw from the demands of the world. Um, Something that my teacher, Judith Foster, also says is um, to never rush. That was one of the homeworks that she gave me. It was like, I don't know how I feel about this. And now for me, like rushing gets me so anxious. Um, I really, really hate being late. And one of the homeworks that she gave also was arrive to your places early so that you have time built in to like land and ground and observe your space before you go into your appointment, before you go do the thing that you have to do. And that doesn't mean like 15 minutes early. It can literally be like a minute for you to just like Look at your surroundings, which is also helps with the nervous system. Know that you're safe, that you're not going to be you know, attacked or someone's coming to get you. Yeah. Now that's something you shared with me not long ago. And I have been doing that a lot more intentionally. And for those of you who um, think of arriving as just needing to go in your car and arriving at a place, but maybe you're working from home or you're not really arriving anywhere different than your home. I have also been doing this at home. So arriving in a space of readiness before, you know, showing up for my work, arriving in a space of readiness before I start mothering for the day. Um, and I really thought that that really stuck with me when you, when you said that, because um, even in my own practices as someone who knows these things cognitively and something, and something that I even teach to my own clients it can be so easy to get into our own rhythms and forget about these practices in and of ourselves, which I would imagine is also a, a, a devotion practice, um, giving ourselves that space to arrive energetically, physically. And it's made a world of difference, <laughs> like just arriving early to a kid's swim practice, which is already a little annoying and you know it's loud and a little overstimulating for someone like myself. Um, and just to arrive early gave me the space to receive all the extra chatter from my kid and all the extra grown-ups around and the small talk and all of that. And I just noticed myself being able to be more present in an experience that I truly wanted to be more present for, but the hurriedness and the rushed experience, you know, previously would have made it so that I'm just like, oh my God, I can't wait till this is over. Yeah, that's great. Um, you just swam. Awesome. But it's hot in here. I don't want to talk to these people. Like it just really enhances the experiences that you really want to be a part of. Um, so I, I thank you so much for that reminder because it's, again, like you said, these seem like very simple things, but just to be reminded of what that looks like in everyday life is life changing. Um, so in speaking about, um, like rituals, I mean, in having a, a rest practice, I mean, you alluded to Tracy Stanley, whose work I adore, um, who is also a teacher in Shakti school. 
Um, and I think a lot about, you know, rituals of love and devotion. So like where, where else can we apply those rituals? Like you spoke about a morning ritual to start the day and how even a rest practice could be instituted in something as simple as, you know, preparing your meal or sitting to eat. Um, but if someone has a very, you know, full life or a full day and they're here and there, maybe they're still working in an office environment and it's just like their life is kind of bookended by when they leave home or when they begin their work day. Um, and when they like arrive at home to do all the, the home stuff, the cooking and the caring and the cleaning and the whatever, what does love, what does a, a practice of love and devotion or those rituals like can they exist in those spaces of the day or are they only, can they only be held when you have control over the, the, the aspects of your day that you have more control over? No, I think it can be infused in literally everything that we do. Um, and, you know, we all have to eat, we all have to drink. And so those are like some really easy, simple access points to like whatever food you're eating. I don't even like, Ayurveda does place a lot of emphasis on food and I don't even care what kind of food you're eating, like fed is best. Mm -hmm. And so whatever food you're eating in front of you is to just like, look at it and think about all the energies, all the people, all the animals, everything that it took to get this food to your plate in front of you and just thank it. Because as you think that food, like you're honoring yourself as you eat it. Yeah. And so that's one way, you know, with water, like, you can be saying thank you to the water and all the forces that were present in getting this water to you. Um, yeah. yeah it's like, like saying, it's like saying grace before a meal. Yeah. Like I, I yeah. grew up in a Baptist church. You say grace before meals and those practices, are, I think, regardless of whatever religious affiliations or beliefs you might have, I think everyone has some kind of gratitude or just acknowledgement of the food they're eating, even if you are just noticing like how pretty your food is. Yeah. Uh, I think now in the era of Instagram, people create this ritual of taking pictures of their food before they eat it or whatever. So I yeah, that, I feel like that's a good, <laughs> I know. So am I. And I said that it with a smile. I know you all listening can't see my face, but I'm like guilty smile. I totally do that. Um, but yeah, I love that, that that's a good entry point because it's true. We have to eat, we have to drink. Um, and if we bring in that, that aspect of, you know, what you alluded to or what you mentioned about what you learned from Judith Lassiter, um, who, by the way, you have a little bit of a connection to, but you know, you can mention that if you'd like, um, just bringing that, bringing that in, um, could, really help, like you said, with digestion and with the whole processes and with your rest. Like, I feel like it's all cyclical, right? Everything is connected. And it's just, um, one of the reasons why I do love gardening is that it also has me in, in the space of deep reverence for the food that I'm eating, mm. because I know what it took to grow that food, the little food that I have in my backyard. And so I, I have a greater appreciation knowing the people who are out there, you know, picking the produce and most of them are underpaid and, and the working conditions there. And so like for me to like thank them and honor them and, and also up level all of that to a much bigger thing. I'm, I'm really big into food sovereignty and like food access. Um, and so that's another way for me to honor them and just like 
recognize that more needs to be done to support those people. Um, And, you know, another way that I think about it also is like most of us are getting around in some way, be it like car, walking, wheelchair, whatever it may be. And like thinking about each of those processes, like you're being supported by love underneath you. So like as you're moving in the car is like you are moving across love. If you're walking is like each footstep is a kiss on the earth. And so that's another practice for me of love and devotion is like a slow walk. Even if it's in an office building and it's not connected to the earth is like, you're still connecting to that earth element of stability and support underneath you. Yeah. Oh, that's so beautiful. I love it. Um, you've been working on, um, a program, not just working on, you've been offering a beautiful program for the better part of a year, I guess, um, or maybe even before. Uh, I'm not sure at what point it went in beta and, you know, but it has been going on for quite some time. I'm so glad that I, I was able to be a presenter in that space. And it is an incredible offering. I would love for you to share with our listener what that is what it's what it's all about um your program wild and sacred is proving to be a a fertile ground it's like a a garden that you are also cultivating on the interwebs for amazing women to show up in and grow and heal so i'd love to hear more about that yeah so um this, yeah, the, the first official round of it was January of this year, 2021. Um, and it kind of stemmed from my work last year after I left my job and I did a four week program with a lot of the same content, but I was playing really small at that time of like, oh, four weeks, it's not too big of an inconvenience. I'm going to cram as much information into it as I can, <laughs> then just overwhelm the people. And that was the feedback I got was like, yeah. this was a lot of good content, but like, wow, only four weeks. Are you kidding? Mm. Um, and so I, I kind of put that on the shelf for a little bit, a little bit. And then I went to one-on-one coaching and I, I work minimum of three months with each person. And then they can sign on for longer after that if they want. And almost every one of those clients was signing on for another three months Um, which then became six months. And then just thinking about that, I was like, well, this program, I I got good feedback as far as the content, just needed to like rework it, make it longer for people to work with. And then one-on-one clients were signing on for six months. And then a friend who was a client also, she was like, well, how about you do a six-month program? And I was like, okay, it feels really big. I don't know, like, who am I to be offering that? Um, And so I did send out to some previous clients of like, hey, I think this is a thing that I want to work on, that I want to offer, would love for you to be a part of it um, as a founding member. And will you kind of help me tailor this a bit? And I had six people immediately say yes. I wanted to keep it pretty small. So it was max 11 people, which ended up filling out. Um, But Wild and Sacred is six months of group coaching that helps to cultivate daily habits rooted in radical self-love and feminine from healing. So we're using the Ayurvedic principles of health and health in Ayurveda, it, the term is shvasta and shvasta means to be established in oneself, to belong to yourself. Mm. And so when I realized like, oh my God, health has nothing to do with the food that I eat or how much I exercise or how much sleep I get. It's really about me being rooted in myself. That's the definition of health. 
I was like, then everything else will fall in line because I, I'll know myself and I'll know what my body needs when it comes to food and it comes to sleep when it comes to sex and it comes to movement, all of that. So that's what we focus on is really building these habits around love and devotion. Like how can you cultivate a nighttime routine with love and devotion so that you can sleep deeply throughout the night. And then in the morning, you know, waking up around sunrise so that you can have this morning routine that again, roots you in love and devotion because the energy that you start off your day with is what gets carried throughout the rest of the day. So when you were talking about hurrying earlier, I was like, Oh yeah. It was like putting a pin in it because I used to wake up and I was like immediately hurrying to get my day started. Like, and so that was the energy that my whole day was infused with. It was like hurrying, hurrying, hurrying. I need to hurry and check my email. I need to hurry and get online. I need to hurry and do these things. And so it was just like always rushing and hurrying around. And then I started to realize like, are we all just hurrying to our death? <laughs> like, is that what this life is about right now? Which I did not want. So we talk a lot about that in Wild and Sacred. Um, and then we, we do move into the food part of like, Food can be an access point to healing physical stuff, but then also the mental and emotional and spiritual connection that we have with ourselves. And we do that through the koshas, uh, the five bodies according to yoga, um, and understand that, like, yeah, food does build the physical part, but all food has energy. And some food is more clarifying, and some food is more congesting. And so which one are we filling ourselves up with, and how does that impact the way that we view ourselves in the world. Um, so we do a lot of stuff around food and then we uh, do a lot of stuff also around hormones and periods and sex and pleasure, which is a big topic because, yeah. you know, we're not as most women, I, I would say definitely women I've worked with never taught anything about their bodies. Like right. sex ed was a joke. It was just like, don't. <laughs> I wasn't, I was probably yeah. among the, the group of women who, uh, young women who relied on a young man to tell me exactly what my body was for and what could be done to it. Yeah. And I so wish that I knew then what I know now, because my experience would have looked a lot different. Oh, so much different. And, and like, <laughs> it's like, we don't know our bodies. And so how, how do we expect boys and men to know our bodies? And so then it's, you know, girls laying in bed their first several times, maybe, you know, for years, just wondering like, is this really all it is? Mm. And then we get like resentful because we know that it can be better, but we don't know how it can be better because we don't know. <laughs> and God bless those women who don't know it can be better. If that's you, sis, it can be better. I, prom I promise you are not an exception. Oh my gosh. So tell me who this program is for. Uh, this program is really for women who know that their life can have something more, that there's just something missing. I know that feels like a really broad general thing, um, but it's like having this connection with yourself and starting to be curious of like, okay, well, I'm tired of looking for the answers out there. So I've done for my whole life and it's got me okay. Um, but there's something missing mm. in that. And how can I reclaim that power, turn it back into myself and remember that I had the power all along. Yeah. So it's for women who are really interested in reconnecting with nature and their true nature. So, yeah. you know, like I said, it's rooted in the principles of Ayurveda, which are principles of nature, um, and using those to really inform how we love up on ourselves. 
I love that. And if someone wanted to learn more about this program or uh, working with you, where would they go? You can go to my website, which is margaretljames.com slash wild and sacred. Awesome. Um, so I actually have a question that I think I'm going to ask everyone who appears on this podcast. Um, and that is what practices do you lean on specifically, um, when you need to stay with yourself? Mm. Definitely breath. Mm. It's just remembering I have a breath. Um, and then getting outside. Yeah. That I can feel, feel the sun on my skin at minimum. And if it's too cold, I can't necessarily have my feet on the earth, but and I can have my bare feet on the earth. That's a huge one also. Um, during this time of year in summer, I mean, I can literally just like sit in my garden, just like stare at the beauty all around. And that is a way that I absolutely come back to myself, fill my cup and talk to God. Yeah. I love that. And my, uh, what I imagine is that the women um, or the female identifying people who are listening to this podcast, who might be wanting to learn how to deepen into their intuition and how to do, you know, cultivate rituals and practices for their own self-preservation, is there anything else that you might want to share with them Um or any guidance that has really helped to support you and hold you up until this point of your own journey? So one of the practices in Ayurveda, it's known as Abhyanga, which translates as self-massage with oil. And oil in Sanskrit is sneha, and sneha also translates as love. Mm. So when we massage ourselves with oil, we're also using our hands, which is an extension of our heart chakra. And so by spreading that oil of love with your own love paddles, love handles, (laughs) um, it's just a deeply nourishing way to reconnect with the wisdom that lives within you and to honor this wisdom that is here, this body that wants nothing more than for you to experience a really vibrant, vital life. And the, the divine takes delight in experiencing itself through you. And so when we can remember that that vibrancy is already moving through us and it's just turning our attention on what is well, we can reconnect to that truth and that deeper source of love. So to massage yourself with oil is a practice I recommend maybe above all else, maybe even more than a rest practice. Um, Because after a shower, like we're somehow hopefully putting lotion or, or something on. Um, and so taking just a little bit of time to spend time with your body and especially those places that you've ignored or neglected or that you beat up on, um, is to offer that divine mothering energy of like, I see you. I love you. I'm sorry. I wasn't there before, but I'm here now and I'm listening. What do you need? Mm, I love that. Abhyanga is also one of my favorite daily rituals. Um, and it has been instrumental in helping me to heal my own relationship with my body over the years. So thank you so much, Margaret, 
for being here. I will place uh, links to where to find her. If you are on Instagram, please find her at, is it at Margaret James? At Hey Margaret James. At Hey Margaret James on Instagram. I'll also place that below in the show notes. Thank you so much from the deepest depths of my heart for taking the time out to share your voice and your wisdom with our listeners here. Thank you, Takesha. It's such an honor to be here um, for you to invite me. And thank you for holding the space to explore topics um, that can be as, you know, even as vulnerable as rest, um, but self-love and the self-preservation and all the things that you are doing to support mothers in parenting. Just thank you. You're a, a gem. You're a brilliant light in this world. And I'm so, so grateful to know you. It is truly an honor. Take care. All right. Love you. Bye.